Hey there, welcome to the More Civil Podcast. My name is Mo. I created this podcast as a resource for Blacks, Asians, and those who love them to share stories and processes and build community around important issues. On this show, you get to hear amazing stories from people like you who show us how to get more out of life. The stories featured on this platform are by people whose journey I'm inspired by, and most importantly, people who have been courageous and vulnerable to be open about their life stories. And I hope that in turn, you'll find these stories inspiring. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. I have a fantastic guest on the show today. Well, um, he's an entrepreneur, a public speaker, a thought leader, is a CEO of a, of a company, and he's contributed to uh, major magazines like Forbes and Thrive. And um, he's currently the CEO of the Velas Group. So everyone join me in welcoming Mr. Adam Mendler to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Great, great thank for being a guest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, would you want me to call you Mr. Mendler or Adam? How would you like? No, no, no. Definitely Adam. I don't know who Mr. <laughs> Mendler is. Your dad, maybe. Definitely not me. <laughs> All right. All right. So um, you have a lot on your bio. I, I don't even know where to get started. Almost like a hydra. Like you don't know what parts like start it <laughs> with. So I guess let's just start first. Like first principles, like who are you and um, what, what was that process? What was your process like to form who we now know as, you know, Adam Mendler? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know how much time we have here. I, I'm from Los Angeles, so for those of you who are tuning in all across America and all across the world, um, I'm based in sunny Los Angeles, California. I grew up in a suburb of L.A. called Tarzana and uh, had a great childhood, really had um, just a phenomenal upbringing and um, did my college at USC, really great four years there. After my time at USC, I moved to New York for a couple of years and worked on Wall Street for a big hedge fund. They were actually the largest hedge fund in the world at the time, a company called D.E. Shaw. Came back to L.A., got my MBA at UCLA, and um, worked a little bit in the entertainment industry for a big talent agency, a big studio. When I graduated, I got a job for a big Swiss bank, did that for about a year and a half, and I was in my late 20s and sort of felt like it was the right time to do something entrepreneurial. So after all that corporate experience, I left and started my own company, named it after the street I grew up on, Bellows Avenue. Oh, <laughs> nice. So my company's called the Bellows Group. We've started three different businesses in three different industries. We have an office furniture company called Beverly Hills Chairs. We sell refurbished high-end office chairs, so Herman Miller Aeron Chairs. Herman Miller mirror chairs, steel case leaf chairs, best chairs that are out there. We sell at about 50% off of retail. It's one of our companies. We have a cigar company called Custom Tobacco. You can go uh -huh. to customtobacco.com and create your own fully customized private label cigars in real time. Very popular for gifts and for events. We have a software consulting business. And I myself do a lot of writing and speaking about leadership about management, mm -hmm. about entrepreneurship, and um, I have an interview series. Most recently, I started a podcast called 30 Minute Mentors. Mentors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I go one-on-one -on -one with the most successful and accomplished people in the country, leading CEOs and founders, celebrities and athletes, generals, admirals, on how they got to the top 
and how listeners can as well in 30 minutes. So it's a little bit about me and um, look forward to really getting a chance to chat with you and with your audience this afternoon. Thank you. Um, your bio, like I said, is super, super rich. And thanks for just giving us an idea of how you grew up, you know, and how it all started. I'm just curious to know, um, did you grow up with, you know, that much support or you found out that as you grew older, you were able to just get what you wanted, you know, from everyone that you met along the way. Basically, is there like a grass to gray story in any of your process? Um, I grew up with a tremendous amount of support. Great parents, great community, great friends. Um, definitely not rags to riches by any means. So I'm extremely grateful for the upbringing that I have. And um, I... I I feel like in life, we can always look around and say, this person has something that I don't have. But we can also always look around and say, um, I, I was blessed with things that um, I'm very fortunate to have that perhaps not other pe- not many other people do have. And um, I'm, I was very blessed to have a great um, support system growing up. So um, I'm very, very grateful for that. I know one of the things you do, like you rightly said earlier on, is writing. And you've published over 70 articles in major media outlets, including, including Forbes and the Huffington Post. And that's a great achievement. How did you achieve this? And is this something that is still ongoing? Yeah. So firstly, thank you for that. Thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it. I actually really started kind of accidentally. So, you know, I don't have a background as a professional writer. I have a background in business. I have a background as an entrepreneur. And when you're a small business owner and when you're building entrepreneurial ventures, you're always thinking about how can I gain more recognition for my companies? How can I get my businesses more eyeballs? How can I get more businesses more visibility? because more visibility will lead to more business. And um, with one of my companies, Custom Tobacco, we've had a lot of success over the years with PR. We've been featured in Sports Illustrated and the Daily Beast and Fox did a piece on us. And it was a business where we had a lot of success with PR. And I had an opportunity to write a thought leadership piece. And I thought that doing writing... um, and writing about business-related topics in outlets like Forbes and like Inc. would be a way that I could help drive visibility to my businesses. So uh, I started writing, and my first piece got picked up in the Huffington Post. And it was actually an article on uh, a really bad experience we had as a company, which was hiring a disastrous employee. 
Uh-oh. And I told that story. I told the story about what I learned from hiring the wrong employee. And, um, and I had such a fun time writing that article and the article got really good feedback. And um, I started writing more and I wrote a second article and that one got picked up by Forbes. And that article was on how you can turn your customers into brand ambassadors. So, you know, a topic that I'm really passionate about and um, it was fun doing. And then I just kept writing more and more of these. And I turned around and realized that I, I loved doing it. I loved writing. Uh, I was good at it. And when you discover a passion and you discover that you're good at something that you're passionate about, you just want to do more of it and more of it. And uh, next thing you know, I somehow I've written 70 articles that have been published in these different outlets and yeah. on topics ranging from leadership to marketing to sales to management. It's just been such an awesome experience. And whenever I have an idea of something that uh, I want to say and that I think other people will want to read and can benefit from reading, I'll put a piece together. So it's not something that I necessarily do day in and day out. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Thank you for that. And from just listening to you, I mean, you said some of it, you said something that I've heard a lot from, you know, people that write and that's to keep writing. And because it's a practice you have to hone, like you, you don't, to write better, you have to write more, right? Um, so I'm curious, you know, apart from that tip of consistency, which, you know, you've, you've kind of aptly described, what other tips would you have for those that are, you know, considering just, you know, being more intentional about writing, especially being featured on um, major platforms like, you know, Forbes and Huffington Post? My best tip is to recognize that, Writing is about the reader. Writing is about the person consuming your content. I think too often people write, and it's similar to the advice I give to people who are trying to improve their speaking skills, whether they're trying to become better public speakers or better communicators within an organization. It's really important to remember that it's not about you. It's about the people who you're communicating to. Mm. And as a writer, you need to be really cognizant of who your audience is and what your audience wants. So if you can deliver value to your audience and you can deliver value in a way that your audience will digest and digest um, very easily and comfortably and enjoyably, you'll find a formula that will work. And if you have fun doing it, then you're going to keep doing it. Oh, quite true. I, I think it is that piece of knowing your audience, but in the, and knowing what they want and care, whatever you're writing to them. But you should have done that due diligence of defining who your audience is, at least having like an avatar of which, who your audience is and what they might want you know, to get from you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm just curious to know because your podcast, let's talk about your podcast now, the 30-minute podcast, uh, Mentors Podcast. And I mean, I looked at it, I listened to a couple of them. You have, I think, about 10 episodes so far. And it's so rich in the sense that you've talked to so many, I mean, different people from different spaces, you know. You've talked to um, someone like Rick Barry, the NBA legend. You've, you know, spoken to Rob Lau, who I, one of my favorite actors. You've um, <laughs> talked to Susan Summers, talked to people from consulting, like the um, Deloitte CEO. Like, how do you get these people 
to like you know first of all um come on the podcast and also come on the podcast to talk about things that can benefit those that are listening in 30 minutes what's your secret <laughs> <laughs> firstly thank you for the kind words about the show i'm really appreciative of that of course it's fantastic what you do by the way enjoy it that you're enjoying it i hope that anyone and everyone who has the opportunity to listen in can get a lot of value from the episode so i'm grateful to hear that you've been enjoying it um my best advice is no different than advice that i have for entrepreneurs i think that it's really important to try to build something that people want to be a part of and when i first started the velos group my company i was really focused on trying to build a culture and trying to build an organization and trying to build a place that people wanted to be a part of, that people wanted to come to, that people wanted to sign up for, that people wanted to tell their friends about. And, you know, hey, I did an internship at the Velos Group. It was awesome. You've got to do an internship at the Velos Group. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was what happened with our company. Um, you know, when you are able to create something that people really love it's just an awesome experience it's an awesome feeling so with my podcast 30 minute mentors i've been really focused on that i've been really focused on creating an experience Mm -hmm. that listeners will love and that guests will love uh what's really rewarding to me is the feedback that i've been getting getting feedback from listeners who have been telling me very similar things to what you shared with me and shared with your audience. Um, What's equally fulfilling to me is the feedback I get from guests. When I have guests who tell me, wow, that was such an awesome experience. Like I I really, really loved doing that. It was so cool being a part of it and telling me in really uh, sort of honest terms uh, how much they love being a part of the show and why they love being part of the show. And, um, that to me just feels great. I, I know that uh, I'm on the right track when I'm able to create something that um, is meaningful to all the stakeholders. Thank you about that. I do have a feedback for you. The one with um, Rick Barry was 35 minutes long, so you probably need to change your <laughs> podcast to 35-minute mentors, but it was good. So, <laughs> so, so Mo, um, yeah? it's, it's funny you say that. I... I, one of the things that I say uh, when I talk to audiences, when I give speeches to businesses or to universities or nonprofits, yeah. uh, I often say that in life, most people are bad at most things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all good at a few things. We all have that one thing that we excel at. We all have that one thing mm-hmm. that makes us special. But kind of going back to, we're all bad at most things. I personally am bad at too many things to list. I, I know we have a limited amount of time on your show. Yeah. We could spend the rest of this show and probably <laughs> the next 10 episodes. Hey, I can bring you back. Everything that I'm bad at. Um, but like literally at the top of that list is punctuality. So being punctual is definitely one of the things that I'm really, really bad at. So I'm unfortunately not that good at keeping things within a confined amount of time. The fact that the Rick Berry episode was 35 minutes. Yeah. 
I pat myself on the back for that. <laughs> if, you, if you know me, like the fact that it's 35 minutes and not 55 minutes. Yeah. I've had, I've had some of these conversations where at the end of the interview, it's like 45, 50 minutes. You have to, and then I have to work really yeah. hard to, to cover Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the longest ones will be like 37 minutes, but but I really the longest try is actually to be as 35 minutes. It, you've been okay. you've been under 30 minutes for the most okay. part. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that's a Susan Summers one. <laughs> Don't okay. mind me. I'm just trying to be cheeky. You have you have good content that it doesn't even matter. You could have extended it longer than that because you have good I content. I try to be respectful yeah. and because at the end of the day, you sort of wanna. There's a reason why it's called 30 minute mentors, not yeah. because it's a slick sounding name, but because my goal really is to give listeners the best insight and advice possible. Yeah. And to do it in a consumable, digestible fashion. Yeah. I know that we have limited attention spans and it's hard to keep people's attention for more than 30 minutes. And I know that we have 30 minute commute times or a 30 minute, you know, run on the treadmill. I, I want to be respectful of that. At the same time, when you're talking to, I did an interview with Admiral Jim Stavridis, retired four-star Admiral, yeah. was the Supreme Commander of NATO. Um, I mean, man, that was a real challenge for me to, to keep that one under 40 minutes. So, uh, I had so many questions that I wanted to ask him, but I just couldn't. <laughs> I know uh, if not, I, if I have, you know, I would spend like 15 minutes just being like a fun girl and just, you know, <laughs> celebrating like a Pavlov dog before I get to my questions. So what I'm trying to say is I think you're doing the most, like you keep on that 30 minutes. <laughs> it's like, good luck with me. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, really, um, Good job on 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 this podcast because it's it's so amazing the caliber of people you bring on the show. It's people that you can't say you follow them on Facebook, but everyone who stories you probably heard like in different parts of the world. But you can't like think about having this access to them. I think that's what your podcast does. It distills their life story and just you know how they can all the things they've learned through their process that listeners can just be able to get almost like a one stop shop, you know, for mentoring and sharing processes, which I think is fantastic. So my very next question for you will be, how do you decide who comes on the show? Because there's no, if I'm trying to come up with a, a, an algorithm, there's none. It's like, you know, it's blowing up my system. How do you decide <laughs> who to come on this show? Like, where? How do you decide who comes on the show? Like, is there like a, a method to this? Yeah, kind of going back to my earlier advice of, on being very cognizant of your audience, audience. being very mm. cognizant of who is listening. I want to bring on people who I think a broad audience will find interesting and compelling. So I'm bringing on founders and CEOs of household name companies, companies that you've heard of, mm. that my mom's heard of, that my mm -hmm. sister has heard of, mm -hmm. that you know, the, the guy who manages my apartment building has heard of that, you know, the guy who um, the restaurant I go to and, you know, he owns it and I see him at night. He's heard of these guys. You know, I want I want to bring on people that every person from all corners and all pockets have heard of or they've heard of their companies and would be really interesting, really interested in um, what the guests have to say. Yeah. The show is called 30 Minute Mentors. Yeah. The uh, subheading of the show is leaders to listen to. I'm bringing on leaders that I believe 
a broad audience of listeners oh. want to listen to. Oh, oh. So um, I, I think you named a few. I think that Rob Lowe is a guy that everyone wants to listen to what Rob Lowe has to say. We all I mean, his voice him. already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I to mean, commend who doesn't voice. love the West Wing and yeah. St. Elmo's Fire? And exactly. You could name so many of them. It's Suzanne Summers, Three's Company and Step by step, health, health, wellness, yeah, and wellness, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, a thigh master, and um, you know, I've, I've had uh, the founder of Kayak and the CEO of Deloitte Consulting, and yeah, um, I have some other really awesome guests that are coming up in the pipeline. So, um, you know, that that's the metric and framework that I think about. that podcast is going mainstream and that there are many people all over the world listening to podcasts daily? For example, in the US alone, one in every three persons listen to at least one podcast every month. Well, that's a lot of people. Do you also know that podcast listeners tend to be more loyal, affluent, and educated? Speaking of these virtuous qualities, did you also know that on a monthly basis, thousands of people all over the world listen to the Mossible podcast? Hmm. Well, do you have a business, service, event, or product you would love loyal, affluent, and educated listeners to hear about? Then look no further. To promote your services on the podcast, send an email to talktomo at mossible.com today. Or you can visit our website at www.mossible.com. That is www.mosibyl.com. Right. So I have a question for you. Uh, I mean, you're going to answer a lot of questions because you're on the podcast. So <laughs> not trying to be obvious here. Correct me if I'm wrong. So you built such um, a wealth of resources for yourself, you know, looking at all the things you've ventured into and being a CEO. Would you, because these people are not just your regular people you can just send an email to and then they respond right away. Like, would you say that all the things you have in your portfolio as far as, you know, you being who you are and all the, you know, resources you've amassed over time has given you that, you know, almost like a carte blanche to be able to approach these people. Or are there some parts of you that goes like, oh my gosh, I'm about to email the CEO, blah, blah, blah. Do you still have those moments or for you, it's just like nothing? I just want to know because I'm going through that phase as well as a Mo, little fish. That is such a good point. question. That is such a good question. And, and I don't, I'm not sure exactly who listens to your podcast. I don't know if anyone tuning in actually knows me personally uh, or knew me when I was a kid, but I can tell you that uh, I really haven't changed much. I've always kind of been the same Adam and the same guy. And when I was a kid, uh, I, I was just always comfortable talking to anyone. So that was just something that from a very early age, other people around me recognized about me. I didn't necessarily recognize it about myself because I didn't think it was unusual. I didn't think that there was anything abnormal about approaching anyone and conversing with them about whatever the topic was. So uh, for me, from the time I was really, really young uh, until today, I've always uh, enjoyed approaching anyone and everyone. Um, mm. And it's, it's a skill that I've had and it's a skill that definitely gets honed and cultivated over time. But okay. um, it's, it's not something that um, at a certain age I stepped into. It's something that, um, you know, I, I think back on from 
as long as I can remember. And um, just, you know, when I was a little kid, I had um, friendships with people of all ages. You know, my parents' friends were my friends. Um, I was friends with kids younger than me. I was friends with kids older than me. I was friends with kids my age. I was, you know, the kind of guy who never had a hard time uh, talking to people. When I was in high school, I remember I spent a lot of time um, hanging out with the security guards at my high school. We, I went to a high school that um, that had security guards, and the security guards were, yeah, th- these guys were like hardcore um, gamblers. They would bet a lot on sports, and um, I would just sort of hang out with them, and we would always talk sports. And um, you know, I I don't I took a couple bucks from them, but whatever. You know, they were those were fun days, and. Um, so it was, I've, I've just kind of always had that in me. Nice. Um, so that answers half of my question in the, how you, you're able to communicate with these people. So let's get into the practical terms of, you know, cold calling them. Um, I will, I might, I, I like to imagine that for some of us people, you might not really have a direct relationship with them. You have to go through a middleman or some of them you just have to like, you know, send a cold call email what are some of the tips for upcoming podcasters, especially those that are not quite, you know, well-connected in reaching out to people that they know that, oh, my audience is going to benefit from this, but I don't think I'm that, I don't feel courageous enough to just email them out of the blue. What if they don't even respond to me? Like, what are some of the do-nots and the do's to, like, help us, you know, get to contacting those heroes or people that would know that our audience will benefit from? Um, two tips. Number one is don't be afraid. You know, at the end of the day, the worst thing that happens is, you know, you, you either don't get a response or the response is no. Well, what's the big deal? We get rejected every day in some yeah, form or fashion. Mm-hmm. The only time you don't get rejected and the only people who don't get rejected are people who are too afraid to take a yeah. chance. So I, I think you have to have the mindset that you're going to get rejected in anything and everything you do, whether it's your personal life, your professional life. Um, you're in your business, you're going to go after deals that you're not going to get. You, you need to be able to be okay with failure. You need to be, mm-hmm. be okay with um, hearing no. No. Mm-hmm. And I think that those who have the mindset that it's okay to be rejected, it's okay to be told no, what's the big deal? Um, those are the people who have a much easier time getting to yes, because they're not afraid to ask. So that's step number one is just not being afraid of the consequence of someone who says no or someone who doesn't respond. What is the big deal? At the end of the day, it's no worse than not asking. So if you don't ask, you know, the answer is by default. No. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's, that's the best tip I have. Um, the second best tip I have is something that I um, spoke about earlier, uh-huh. which is you want to create an experience that people want to be a part of. You want to create a platform. And in this case, we're talking about specifically podcasts. You want to create a podcast that people want to be a part of. If someone reaches out to me and and this happens, um, I'm definitely not uh, anywhere near the caliber of uh, success of the people who I have on my podcast, but Mm -hmm. uh, people will reach out to me and see if I'm interested in guesting on their podcast. And if someone has a podcast that is interesting and appealing and has a, a good platform and 
Um, they're talking about topics that are interesting to me. Um, I'll say yes every single time because at the end of the day, no matter how busy I am, I can always carve out an hour um, or half an hour or however long to take the time to talk about a subject that is meaningful and important and that I'm passionate about. So you kind of want to figure out um, what appeals to the people you're reaching out to and okay. reach out to people that your show is going to resonate with. You know, if, um, if someone has a show that is focused on leadership or entrepreneurship or personal development, professional development, um, so many topics that I just love talking about, you know, I'll, I'll do that any day of the week, any podcasters who are, Listening, I mean, it's not just me. There's so many people out there who who love talking about this stuff. Um, if it's if the topic of the podcast is video games, uh-huh. I, I don't play video games. I'm not really qualified <laughs> to talk about that. Now, I, I have uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. I have um, the founder of the second largest video game in America as a guest on my podcast, and. Um, I interview him about leadership and I interview him about entrepreneurship. I also interview him about video games. Now he's, he's a great uh, guest for, for my show because it's my show is about um, how to become more successful, how to become a better leader, how to become a better leader in your personal life, how to become a better leader in your professional life. Um, but if someone wanted to interview me, about video games, it's different. I don't have anything to say about video yeah, games. Yeah, what, what can yeah. I really say about that? So, so find someone who's going to be responsive to whatever it is you're talking about. I like that. So basically, knowing your audience and just—if you never try, you'll never know. And Absolutely. even a no uh, uh, a non response is also it doesn't invalidate your your attempt to like, try to create more experiences for your audience, but just give it a shot and see what happens from there. Totally. Thank you for that reminder. Um, so you you do have a lot going on, Adam. You know, between what you do as an entrepreneur, so looking at the Velos Group, the Beverly Hills Chairs, your custom tobacco and the Velos Solutions, and then podcast, you are very busy, man. How do you manage to do everything? Um, it's a lot easier now that I don't really have much of a life during uh, the coronavirus <laughs> crisis. Uh, I, I can't watch sports anymore. Yeah. Um, I can't really go out anymore. I can't see my friends anymore. So, so now it's actually pretty easy. But uh, normally, during normal times, I think it's really important to prioritize and I think it's really important to focus. And it's impossible to do everything well all the time, but when you set your mind to something and when you set priorities and set goals and are determined to reach them, you somehow figure out a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. With my podcast, for example, I spent a long time talking about my podcast and I'm going to do it and this is something I want to do and mm-hmm. this is my vision for the show and I gave every reason why I wanted to do the podcast and what I was going to do and told so many people about it, but I didn't do it until um, I set a goal for myself and said, you know what? I'm going to have this show live on the air in January of 2020. 
I'm going to start recording in November. It's going to be done then. You need to give yourself a deadline. You need to set hard dates for yourself. Because at the end of the day, with all that's going on in your life, it's very easy to get distracted and sidetracked. And given how challenging things are, um, it's very easy to um, hit certain roadblocks, to hit certain obstacles, and to... um, to just kind of stop and to say, uh, you know what, I'll just sort of move on to the next thing. But mm. when you're really dedicated toward getting to the end zone, when you're really dedicated to getting to that end game, you find a way to make it happen. That's that. It's basically just prioritizing it, you know, and some things will come up, things that you really need to take care of will come up. But if you've already made this a priority and set up a deadline and work with the end in mind, you can achieve your goal. I mean, that's impressive because you just started recently. I, I, I mean, following you on Instagram, I can see that. But um, I wish you the very best as you, you know, go into whatever adventures you're going to and even as you plan to expand on your portfolio, be it writing and podcast and all of that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're welcome. We're kind of running off here and I just, you know, had some closing questions to ask so you know you you can ask me anything and everything (laughs) uh, oh thank you thank you it was really nice hearing that i really appreciate it um so entrepreneur your podcast and you know um coach and whatnot what's 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 next for you is that gonna be like um the adam you know menla mentee program or uh, things like that because you know you're really big into giving it, you know, paying it back and helping other people also discover ways they can improve on their processes. I have a few things up my sleeve. Um, I, at the moment, am, am very focused on my current endeavors. So I'm very focused on the businesses that I'm running, as well as my podcast, really trying to make sure that my podcast is as successful as it can be. Mm. But as an entrepreneur, yes, I definitely have other things planned. And maybe I'll come back on the show when I um, have them ready to be announced. That would be nice. It would be nice to have you back because I bet there's so many questions I forgot to ask you when I go to bed tonight. I'm going to be like, dang it, I forgot that question. Happens to me a lot. Um, speaking of questions, if you were to distill, like, have like a matter analysis done of all the nuggets of wisdom and, and, and stuff that you're guests, the guests on your show have distilled down to people, like what are some of the top traits that, um, that's two disciplines apart? Because when I think about people that have been successful in whatever craft, is apart from dedicating the amount of time to hone that skill, there should be some skills you have to develop. Like, in it. like I don't think anyone is born like a CEO. There's some things that can help you to get to that path, but as far as maintaining that success, it takes a lot of you know, hard work and you know, things you have to like, do on your own part. What are some of the, the nuggets you might like to share with us? If you could think about all the people that have come on your show, what's the commonality as far as them being able to um, go on with their hustle? I don't know if that question makes sense. Yeah, um, okay. it's, it's a really good question. I think it's a hard question to answer because um, kind of as we spoke about, it's really hard to, to take um, the best advice possible that mm-hmm. – these incredibly successful people have and condense it into 30 minutes. So then to, to take the best advice that uh, each and every one of these uh, unbelievable guests has and then sort of 
consolidated and condensed. That's that's really hard. With that said, I do get asked that question often. I'll, I'll give you the answer that I give, which is number one, um, something that I've learned is the skills that that it, it takes to be successful, the skills that it takes to be a great leader, whether you're a leader of a Fortune 500 company, whether you're a leader of a small business, whether you're a leader of a nonprofit organization, a military leader, leader of a sports team, those skills and the things that make a leader great are the same no matter who you're leading, no matter where you're leading. It's really important to be able to inspire, connect, motivate, empower anyone and everyone around you. Um, I think that great leaders and, and great people, uh, not, not just leaders, but yeah. entrepreneurs, those who are, who are successful, um, are obviously very focused and determined and, and dedicated. Those are things we all know. Yeah. But something that I think is really important for people to understand that um, you know, I, I try to talk about with, with many of my guests, they're very deep thinkers. They're people who are not focused on themselves. They're focused on the people around them. They're focused on their organizations. They're focused on their missions. They're focused on building something, creating something. Um, they're focused on making an impact, doing good. Um, I think that um, you know people who are successful uh, tend to have a higher calling. And when I say a higher calling, uh, I don't necessarily mean uh, religiously, although some guests do talk about religion yeah. and spirituality. Yeah, even like though it's the, not something that the guru you had on the show. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Dr. Patel and even Rob Lowe brought it up. Oh, yeah, that's true. A couple of times. Uh, and I think that people believe in, in building something and creating something bigger than themselves. And um, the core principles of success are universal. The core principles of leadership are universal. And those are a few of them. One other thing I'll share, which I, I think are, is extremely important, uh -huh. particularly in this time in our history, and it's a question that I've asked CEOs, it's a question that I've asked military leaders, I'll ask, and I don't ask this of every guest because I, I try to keep the question somewhat fresh, but I'll ask on a scale of one to 10, how important is ethics to leadership? And every guest who I've asked that question to says 10. And, yeah. and then I ask why. And I'll get a very deep answer with a lot of specifics and uh, personal anecdotes and stories about why being an ethical leader and an ethical person mm. makes you a more successful person. Mm. And I think that everyone should understand that um, in society, it's often uh, glamorized to take the easy path, to take the shortcuts, to do things that um, might seem like they'll... Um, kind of help you make the quick buck or, you know, help you feel good right now. Uh -huh. But um, the people who are truly successful are people who live within 
uh, a deeper ethical framework and are able to execute on it. So. Answered your question, okay. I know it's yeah, yeah. I, I, I really go deep on, but uh, it's no, hard, no, no. Hard to sort of give a couple of nuggets. It is. It's hard, but I, I, I pick those two points. You know, it's number one. I think it also goes back to, you know, connected to something bigger than you. Either in being involved in people, like like genuinely caring about people. That's one. So that's your ability to be able to inspire, connect, and motivate them. And also, you know, connected to something deeper than you, which, you know, we've talked about. No, I, I totally, you know, love your response on that. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So this is part of the show where I kind of flip it a little bit to have my guests ask me anything they might be curious about to know about my process. So, um, as you know, I have a podcast platform. That's why I'm here today. I also describe myself. I'm Nigerian born. I was born in Nigeria. I moved here 11 years ago. Um, pursued two advanced degrees and currently work in a college as a professor of pharmacy. And I created this podcast just to help people connect together and, you know, find ways to make the world smaller. Is there any part of that process or anything else you probably have read about me that you might be curious to, you know, to know more about? I was, I was actually really interested in um, just the vision behind your show. I thought that it was really cool when I learned about your show and the way you describe it as a podcast about culture and cultural nomads designed for blacks and Asians and those who love them. And for people who don't know what skin color I have, uh, it's white depending (laughs) on uh, how much sun exposure I have. Sometimes it's uh, whiter than other times. Uh, I haven't been outside all that much with coronavirus, so I'm not as tan as I often am. So I'm I'm not black or Asian, uh, but I love all people. And um, I have friends of all ethnicities, of all backgrounds. I have um, a nephew who's uh, half Asian. He's he's what I would look like if uh, if I was Asian. So he's (laughs) half Adam, half Asian. And uh, he's a great guy. He's uh, about to turn three. You can find him on my social media. You said 30 uh, or three? (laughs) He's about to turn three. Okay. And, well, happy birthday uh, to him. <laughs> um, and uh, so I, I was just kind of interested in what inspired you to create the show. Oh, well, thank you for that. Uh, so I, like I described myself, I'm from Nigeria. That's the home match of the black part of me. And I'm also um, a little bit vested in, okay, I love vested in the Korean community. I speak the language and, I have been able to adopt it like a second culture because I see so many similarities and so many um, things to kind of learn about that culture that I think can also help me as a human being to be more, I think, tolerating and um, curious about other people's culture. And why I call it a show for Blacks and Asians and those who love them, really I could have just called it a show for everybody because there's a third category of those who love them. And like you aptly said, you, you have a love for people regardless of their skin color. I just had to make a delineation to show that, hey, we're talking about cultural stuff, but it's, it can come from different angles. My idea behind the show really is to create a space where we can explore culture from a part of, from a curious standpoint. So that with things that you might be curious to know about my culture, you can ask about it. And I think that we, as a people, and when I say people, I mean the whole world, we're in the danger of, you know, um, shutting people down when really they want to ask questions, we label it as being offensive or racist and things like that. 
And so I always say that if you were to ask me a question, even if I might not be able to answer it because I think it's offensive, I will still want to assume that there's a question behind it. So I might help you with framing it, or I might even help you to develop a little bit of tolerance because I feel like some people are genuine about a question. They just might not know how to ask it and they come off, you know, a certain way. So here's a, a platform where, you know, I can talk to you about my culture. I can bring somebody else to talk about their culture. And in telling our stories and seizing our narrative, we are, you know, helping others get an insight of, oh, here's what is culturally acceptable if you were to visit somewhere in Africa, you know, or what time of the month to do these things and, and stuff like that. Or even, you know, here are the similarities between African and Asian cultures. And here's why it seems like when an African feels in school, an Asian feels in school, it feels like the end of the world. So I'm just trying to help people be a little bit more, um, I won't call it competent, but aware about just how, you know, culture is a lens that we all, you know, work with, but some in some areas is more pronounced than the other. So basically, yeah, that's it. I don't really call myself a cultural afro I don't think I'm quite versed in all things culture, but I've always been that kind of person that asks questions. And I've always been very curious about knowing how people did, why people did the things they did. And with, when asking questions and talking to people, that has always been my gift. Even things people don't want to talk about, I think you have to keep it harsh. I still come up with questions to, you know, make conversations around it. Because I believe once you bring your truth to the table and I bring my truth to the table, somewhere in the mix of that, we can, you know, get a conversation going. Especially with people that on a normal day you wouldn't expect me to talk to, maybe because they have different beliefs than I have or they do things differently than I do. I still believe that there's still a conversation we can get out of it. So that's my show. I really want to make the world a, a smaller place and know that at the end of the day, we just always, most of us just want to get along and, you know, sure. it's okay. I don't have to agree with you, but I love that. Hey, we can talk about rice. We cook rice the same way or, you know, things like that. So that's my I cook show. my rice in the microwave. <laughs> I don't think okay. I cook my no, rice. No, I uh... <laughs> Yeah, you need I, a I rice get my cooker. rice from Trader Joe's. And oh. <laughs> microwavable brown rice. So oh, no. I'll I keep your prayers. Yeah, so I don't know <laughs> um, what ethnicity cooks microwave brown rice. No, no, If any ethnicity no. does, but... No, but I know some. sometimes they have like this little rice stuff that is already made. You just have to heat it up. That I'll, you know, take exception to. I'll tell but you what ethnicity, the what? ethnicity that cooks brown rice is the ethnicity that doesn't know how to cook. Which is my, <laughs> I, I don't know how to cook. So See? I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's an ethnicity as much as it's. Plus it's brown rice. You know, I have, have a lot of, I have a lot of. I eat a lot of brown rice. <laughs> Which is healthier because I'm a big luck. brown rice. Okay. Love brown well, rice. But... Good for you. Good luck trying to convince an African that brown rice is good. Oh, really? But anyways, <laughs> that's that's just really my show. It's it's okay. it's a place for people to just come and talk about stuff, you know. And yeah, I love it. It's been great. I've had such a fun experience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I hope and your it's... listeners have enjoyed this conversation as much I as have. I've had being a part of it. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Because I have, I've learned, you know, a lot about you. And like I said, for someone that com- that you, you're very accomplished in what you do, and to be able to still sit down and just, you know, um, get a chocolate two out of you and even get, you know, some nuggets out of you, that's really, really impressive. And I do wish you the very best even as you go on. If there are other ways you'd like for us to collaborate, you know, I'm more than open to that. And um, I cannot wait to just, you know, see more episodes that you come out with. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. This was an absolute pleasure. Perfect. All right, guys. So you just listened to Adam Mendler. You know, don't forget. Oh, before you go, Adam, where can people find you on your podcast? I try to make it really easy for people. It's just my name, 
Adam Mendler. So you can follow me on social media at Adam Mendler, Instagram at Adam Mendler, Twitter at Adam Mendler. You can go to my website, adammendler.com. My podcast is 30 Minute Mentors. That's all spelled out. You can go to 30minutementors.com. You can also find it on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, 30 Minute Mentors. And uh, I hope to connect with anyone who found this conversation at all interesting because uh, it was definitely a lot of fun for me. Thank you. Guys, go check out his podcast. I mean, he has, you know, loaded, you know, um, gems that you can, you know, listen to about um, just some of the people he's talked to about their processes and, you know, how they were able to rise up to that and some of the challenges they experienced along the way. And if you love this content, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get a podcast on Legally. As always, thanks for listening and I remain your host, Mosimo. Hey, listeners. This has been another episode of the Marcible Podcast. What do you think about today's episode? Do you have a question or feedback you'd love to provide? A suggestion for a future guest? We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram at Marcible or email us at talktomo at marcible.com. Your suggestion might just end up being featured on a future episode of the podcast. We cannot wait to hear back from you. Do visit our official website at www.mosibo.com. That is www.mosibyl.com, where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and amazing guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Leave us a rating or review as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and reaching more amazing listeners like you. We always appreciate your support. Thank you for always listening.